Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Well, here in the first of the year, um, we tend as people um, to have things, like things to, to instigate, begin to instigate some change. And part of instigating change um, requires some thought um, and then therefore some, some focus. Uh, you cannot really change something without having some focus on that. And so here in the beginning of the, of the year, uh, we've just decided to just look at that concept from a biblical perspective uh, of what a good um, spirit-led focus in life is going to do and how things are going, how that's going to impact our lives. So if you've got your Bible app open, if you use the little QR code, if you're using the bulletin that was handed, this is where we begin to connect with that. And we're going to lead off with this idea that where we focus our attention, it impacts our direction. They're just totally tied together. You, you, can't, you can't want to go this way and focus this way. It's just not going to work. Where we end up putting our focus uh, is where the direction is going to go. We, we know this in, in our daily driving. Um, you know, all of a sudden you begin to try to read a billboard as you're driving by and your eyes stay on that and you begin to drift towards the right if that's where the billboard is. Um, and if all of a sudden you are driving and your eyes get caught in another direction, you drift in that direction. We see it in relationships. You know, we understand, we can understand that in the beginning of a relationship, we feel like our, the, the, our other person's focus and it's wonderful and it's amazing. And then we get into a routine and, and there begins to be these other things that begin to make uh, demands on our time and our energy and all of that. And it can feel like as we drift apart as, couple, as a couple, it can be because of focus. Maybe one got focused on kids, one got focused on career, one got focused on a hobby, one got focused on a, a goal, and another one got focused on another goal, and, and enough time goes by, and the directions are two totally different directions. We, we know this intuitively, but yet a lot of times as believers, we still don't steward our focus. This isn't, I'm not dropping any revolutionary truths. We all know this. The problem is, is we don't typically steward our focus. We're not paying attention. We don't focus on our focus. It just kind of naturally happens. And so with this at the beginning of the year, we want to, we want to focus on our focus. And what we want to do is I want us to crack open a, a, a little book of the Old Testament. Um, in a, you may not be familiar with Habakkuk. And so uh, this time of the year, that word could come in handy if you just need to clear your throat, you know. And, and so you just, you know, say a book of the Bible and, you know, you get double points there, you know, clear your throat and all's good. And, um, but uh, Habakkuk is a um, short little uh, Old Testament book, three little chapters. And we're going to look here um, at about one and a half chapters. Um, we're going to go and, and look at almost the the first half of it. And here's what is interesting um, in this. There's three chapters. And with Habakkuk, 
we see that there are three times Habakkuk is complaining. He's frustrated. Habakkuk is irritated. But let's just go ahead and it'll explain itself. Let's look at Habakkuk 1.1. And it begins, Habakkuk writes this. He's already had this experience. And he writes this and says, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Now, this is Habakkuk's life work. There's not anything else about Habakkuk. This is Habakkuk's life work. This is what we would not be saying Habakkuk had this not taken place. And so this is, this is significant. It's the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. This is significant in the life of Israel, and this is certainly significant in the life of Habakkuk. But I think it is significant for us to see how this moment began. Because in verse 2, we have Habakkuk talking, and he is presenting his first complaint to God. Life can be frustrating. Life can be confusing. And a lot of times, if we don't have the right perspective on God, um, we can feel like our that frustrating issues is something that God should do something about, but it just feels like we shouldn't actually like talk to him, like complain about it. We can pray about it. God, what about this? God, can you do something about that? God, touch that. Um, God, make that person move to China, um, you know, um, you know, we, we can pray these little prayers about the frustrating things in our life, but there's difference between praying for solutions and actually talking about what's actually irritating you, actually getting to the root of the matter, not just asking for solutions, but like, mm, this is, I'm just mad about this. I'm just irritated about this. And that's what Habakkuk dares to do. He dares to do it not as the, the blood-bought child of God, as a New Testament believer. He talks about it as a covenant part of the kingdom of God under the Abrahamic covenant. And, and he says this. He says, oh, Lord, how long shall I cry for help? Apparently, he's been crying for help. He's been asking for a solution and now he's frustrated that he's not got the help he wanted. So now he's just, he's talking to God about his, his real frustration. My help hasn't come yet. I want the help, but now I'm irritated that my help has not shown up. How long shall I cry for help? And you will not hear. Because I haven't got what I wanted, my accusation is, God, you're just not listening. You're just not listening. I haven't got my help, so you're kind of like, you know, ghosting me here, Lord. You're not paying attention. You're leaving me on red. That's what Keenan would say. <laughs> or cry to you violence and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? We see what Habakkuk is looking at. Habakkuk is looking at iniquity. He's looking at sin, repetitive, deep-seated sin and brokenness. That is what he says. He says, why do you make me look at this? I'm staring at what's on my mind, what's in my field of view is iniquity. And why do you look at wrong? 
He talks about his own vision and says, God, I have a beef with your vision. I don't like what I'm seeing, and I'm irritated about what, what I think you're seeing. And he says, that, and idly look at wrong. Destruction and violence are before me. My strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed, and justice never goes forth. We can find ourselves in a place where we look like the law of the land is not getting it done. Justice is not happening. The people who should be enforcing things the right way, whatever you think is the right way, it's just not happening. This prayer, this frustration is as pertinent in 2022 as it is when Habakkuk made his complaint. This could be said right now by any of us in this very moment. He says, for the wicked surround the righteous, and so justice goes forth perverted. What everyone calls just is actually a twisted perversion of justice. It's not even just. He's just dumping it out. We see, he said, what, what he was seeing and what he thought God was seeing. And then in verse 5, God answers. He says, and the first thing God addresses is where Habakkuk is looking. What's his focus? Very first thing. God says, look among the nations. You need to have an international perspective, Habakkuk. You need to see it from heaven's perspective, Habakkuk. You need to look on a bigger scale. You've gotten so myopic with your own frustrations that you have blotted out everything else. Look among the nations and see wonder and be astonished for I am doing a work. Not I'm gonna do, I'm doing something. God was up to something. He, said, he accused God of doing nothing. But God says, I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. He says, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it. Where Habakkuk's focus was limited his belief. His focus limited his belief. He said, God himself could not tell Habakkuk it, and Habakkuk would believe it. So if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. I'm doing something that's amazing. I'm doing something that's wonderful. I'm doing something wondrous in your days. And if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Because Habakkuk had the wrong focus. Now, God didn't rebuke him for getting his complaint out. He didn't say, I'm God. How dare you complain? He was getting his answer. Redirect your focus. Redirect it. But Habakkuk, he may have been an early West Texan. He's a little hard-headed. And he keeps complaining. Pick up in verse 13. So since uh, God brought up where um, Habakkuk needed to look, Habakkuk decided to bring up God. You ever have that in a conversation? Having a little... Uh, conversation with somebody you love, somebody you care about, somebody you're doing life with, and you point something out and then they throw it right back in your face. 
Yeah, Habakkuk pulls that, he pulls that card. Verse 13, he says, um, uh, you who are of purer eyes than to see evil. Immediately starts talking about God's vision, God's eyes, where God's looking. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the, the man more righteous than he? He gets back, right back to his complaint. He's like, you're telling me I'm looking at the right place, but you've got these pure eyes and you can't look at evil, which there are tons of people who want to beat us up with our regular struggles as we're growing and saying God is too holy to look at sin and they'll quote just part of this scripture. The rest of it is like, why do you do it? God's aware of what we're doing. God understood. He stepped into the middle of our mess and he didn't do it like this. I can't look at it. I'm just gonna kind of fumble around here and try to bring, no, God wide-eyed stepped into the mess of humanity and brought restoration and life change and knew exactly what he was doing and saw you and he saw me and he saw the person that frustrates you most and he loved us all. And he stepped into the middle of it and Habakkuk is frustrated about it. That God sees on a bigger picture and Habakkuk is still frustrated about the, the individual exchanges, that things aren't going quite as right and he carries out his complaint and then we get into uh, Habakkuk chapter two where we find out that vision is important, that God keeps bringing up vision because vision brings, brings direction. Habakkuk 2.1 says, I will take my stand at the watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. This is continued Habakkuk in his frustration. He's looking for an answer. He says, and I, uh, and I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Points him back and says, actually, you're gonna need to put this down. I've already talked to you about it once. You drifted right back into your same accusation. Why don't we put this down on paper? Folks, one of the reasons why we give you bulletin notes and a little place to fill in a blank is to encourage you to take some notes so that you're sitting there already with a piece of paper and hopefully a pen because what the most important message that's gonna take place is not what comes out of my mouth, but what the Holy Spirit prompts in your heart in response to the word. And you need to be ready to jot that down. It'll hit you so hard in your seat and you're like, there's no way I'm gonna forget what God said in that moment. But guess what? You walk out there and the life, life puts you on your seat and you need to remember what you wrote in this seat, okay? We need to be able, this is practical, it'll help you. I know this isn't shouting ground, but just taking some good notes to go back when you're feeling a little disconnected and saying, I know the Holy Spirit spoke to me in this moment, what did he say? You need to write the vision down. There's a reason for this, write the vision and make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it 
It's going to bring direction. Running means direction, going forward, covering some ground, getting it done. For the vision still awaits the appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, the soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. This is one of the most quoted Old Testament scriptures in the New Testament. Paul loves this moment where we see that the righteous will live by faith and it is coupled to this place of writing the vision down, knowing what God has had to say. Why? Because living by faith requires knowing what God has told you. It requires it. It requires knowing what God has said. As soon as you get the the vision, the reader becomes a runner. We can begin to, to move forward. This focus allows us to take our next steps. And sometimes it seems slow. Here in this, God is using words like hasten, and though it seems slow, if it, it hastens, it's going to happen, it's, it, but sometimes it seems slow. Here's the thing is God's vision for your life, it's going to take your whole life. So it's going to seem a little slow at times. It's going to take your whole life. But there are parts of it that you're going to be in this. So this running, it isn't a sprint. It isn't you get it, and all of a sudden you're just darting to the finish line. No, it's a marathon. It's be able to cover the ground at a, at a pace that we, can, that we can do it, not because we, we've got to get there as fast as we can, but, but because we know it's worth moving forward to, that God is at work. The vision for your life, it's, it's going to take your whole life. See, pursuing God's vision for our lives requires trusting him with our lives, To be able to have his focus, his vision for our lives, we first have to say, God, I want you to fully have my life. We're going to have to trust him with it, which is why in the New Testament we see this passage of Scripture quoted over and over again. Let's look at Romans 1.17. This is the first time we see Paul pull this up. says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. The thing that got, get, got you going into the kingdom is the thing that keeps you moving forward into the kingdom. You believe that Jesus loves you. You believe that Jesus died for you. You placed your faith in him. That's how you take your first step. Guess what? Believing that he can be Lord, believing that he can direct you, believing he is good for you, is how you take your second step, how you take your third step. It's faith first to last. It isn't faith, and then it turns into something else later. No, it's faith all the way. Why? Because just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous live by faith. Paul brings it up again in Galatians 3.11. It says, clearly no one who <clears throat> relies on the law is justified before God. We cannot go back into a thing of saying, well, I read my scripture, I went to church, I gave some money, I was nice when I didn't feel like it, I feel like I'm good with God. That is living under some sort of new kind of law. 
Maybe you're not sitting there and trying to find a perfect lamb to sacrifice this coming spring. Maybe you're not sitting there trying to make sure you don't eat this and don't eat that and live under the Levitical law. Maybe you've let go of that, but we can create a whole new law. We can create a whole new system and no one is justified before God who relies on the law because the righteous will live by faith. And then the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 10 38 says, but my righteous ones will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. Why? Because God is a move forward God. Faith is going to have a stepping forward, taking another step, going another direction. And we do, he moves us forward with the vision. He who reads it can run. Because the truth is his vision it brings boundaries. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Of course, this is the Old Testament, so the law keeping is very much a part of that under that moment. But this wisdom truth is where there's no prophetic vision. Prophetic vision is the vision that God has birthed in you. Not just your own best plans for your life. Not just what does your perfect little life look like, but what has God said? This is what I've built you for. This is how I've wired you for. And this is how your life is gonna make a difference in the kingdom. You being the you I created you to be, it's not just gonna make your life better. It's gonna make lots of people's lives better. That prophetic vision, says where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. See, a lot of people who um, begin to understand grace, um, they begin to go, and, and, and Paul gets into it in Romans, you know? Well, if God is just so fully forgiven us and we're just so fully forgiven, well, man, what, what kind of puts the boundaries on our life, you know? If, if doing these sin things isn't kind of what's corralling us, what's gonna tighten our lives up and, and bring things in? God's plan for your life is what's gonna do that. God's vision for your life, it brings the boundaries. It begins to show. And the more vision, a more picture that you have of what God has for you, the more it tightens up and he shows you this is it. That's why there'll be things that the scriptures say that everything is beneficial, but not everything is profitable. For your life, there are things other people, it fits in their life, but it doesn't fit in yours. And you can't judge them and they shouldn't be judging you because it works like this. Maybe we've got just a little bit of vision. You know, you did this as a kid. You got a little bit of vision. You used to have the old cardboard tube and you now you make it into this thing. You've got a, a little bit of you got a little bit of vision for your life. And you say, okay, God, I, I, I believe you can just get, me, just get me through tomorrow. Lord, tomorrow's Monday. Monday in January. I've got to go to work, go to the gym, not eat carbs, choke down kale. Lord, get me through Monday. Uh, just a little bit of it. And you guess what? You know what? It, it, he will. And, it, and there's some things that are a little bit, just a day's worth of vision, just a little bit of worth of vision, it, it'll begin to, to put some boundaries, okay? I need a 
Trent and Debbie up here. They're going to they're gonna help me. So we've got a, a newly married, newly married in, in uh, 2021, still in their first year of marriage. Trent was up here thumping the bass today, helping us, helping us uh, lead worship. So earlier today, earlier this morning, I got up on the camera platform at the back corner of our building, and I looked through this little cardboard tube at our stage to see what I could see through this. And they are, they are standing where um, the field of view from back there through this provides. And so we should be able to see that on our, on our camera for you at home. You'll see this very shortly. And so, um, but guess what? It gets us on, at least on the stage together. Previously, without this, there were a lot of options of where to be in this room. A lot of places, a lot of things that were, but as soon as a little bit of vision came along, well then now, these are the options. This is it, between there and here. This is it, these are the options. It brought some boundaries. It brought some restraints. Now, as a married couple, they're at least now in a place where the word is being taught. Their vision puts them in the same, on the same stage, allowing them to hear maybe the same message and do that. But if we see there's room even in that to not really be together. They sit there and say, you know what? I want, I want, we want some of God's vision for our life. We, we care about God but we haven't really embraced the fullness of God's vision for our marriage. And it can be in the sound, they're connected with the same stage, but not really be united. There's room in this stage. He could move across and go be united over there, and she could move across and be united over there. It's, it's, they can each move. But another way for them to get a little closer together is maybe get a little more vision. Be able to look down the road a little more. Say, you know what? We, just, we wanted to invite God into our, into our first year of marriage. We wanted to honor God in our first year of marriage. We believe that that's something God had for our life, but, but now we want to invite God into, into having kids. We want to be and involve that and have a little more vision and, and be able to see a little more, and it tightens it up. And, and if we'll see, we'll go ahead and move to our next spot. And as I stood back there and looked, then it, it tightens it up. So now they're not just on the same stage together. They're actually on the same subject. See, before they weren't on our series, but now they're at least on the same subject. They're at least on the background. And all of a sudden, as they began to move forward in God's vision, add more vision, it brought them closer together. It tighten things up. That okay, now this part of the vision says that was fine. There's nothing wrong biblically with that, but what God has for us is here. What God has for us is here. And then we decide and we move forward and we're going to get, we're going to get a lot of vision. We're going to say that God has a plan for our lives, our careers, what our children, our grandchildren, maybe even great-grandchildren, we begin to see multiple generations down the road. That is going to change the way we make decisions. You know what? If all I have is this vision, what I do with all my money doesn't matter. I'm going to get some more next week. I'll start over. If I've got this vision, what I do with my money this week matters. 
Because guess what? Some of this week's money is going to be needed on this end of the vision. Some of this week's money is going to be needed in retirement age. Some of this week's money is going to be needed here to leave an inheritance to my children's children. All of a sudden, it brings restraint. Vision brings restraint. Over here, we could go out and we could, we could blow whatever, and then we'd start over next week. But here, no. God begins to bring that, and that vision begins to change. And the longer we invite God into the length of our lives and say, God, I want to live all my days for you, all of a sudden that begins to change. And then now we bring in, and as we step forward, then now from back there, looking through there, this is what we see. Can you two hold hands? In this space, you can live united. In this space, you can move forward hand in hand every day. In this space, with this kind of vision, you, you, stay, to, you stay together. That is why vision is vital. Thank you. Y'all give them a hand. So how do we know? How do we know what kind of vision we've got? You all know where I got this cardboard tube. You know what this is associated with. And you know what? We all want this in our lives. Last year, we fought over this for our lives. But what this is, is this, is, this would represent vision for, honestly, for our private messes. And a lot of times we end up in a seat like this because we've got some private messes we kind of need some, some help with. And we want God to, to help us in that space. Not necessarily the fullness of our lives, but there's certainly some private things going on, some private messes that we believe God would want to help us with. And then, you know where I got this one. This one probably on your kitchen counter. Clark household goes through about three of these a day. And these four, a little more vision, and it's in the family space, and it's for, it's for our public, our public messes. The stuff that other people might be involved in. The stuff that is not quite as embarrassing the stuff that we would not mind sharing in some prayer requests, that we all of a sudden having some struggles and having some issues on those fronts can make us say, God, what do you have to say? Our private messes can make us say, what? God, what do you have to say? Our, our more public messes can say, God, what, what do you have to say? But you also know where I got this one. You all just threw a bunch away. And this one here, this one, this one represents the gifts. And if you want to fully embrace the gifts God wants to give you, not just have him there for the messes of life, but really live the fullness of life, life and life more abundantly, God's got some gifts for you. You're going to have to embrace the full vision for, he has for your life. 
If you don't embrace the full vision he has for your life, you will miss some gifts God has for your life. He will be there for your messes. He will do that every single time. But if you want to live the best life, the life God has for you, the life full of the gifts he's built you for, you're going to have to embrace the full vision he has for your life. That is the way that this works. See, our bottom line today is, is that the vision you see determines the version you'll be. The vision you see will determine the version you'll be. And so one of the cool things is, is that maybe you're here today because of a private mess. And you know what? That is a great foundation. Because when we were kids, we also knew that you could take one of these and invite God into your private messes, and then you invite him into your public messes, and then you invite him into some other spaces, and all of a sudden... Step by step, little by little, you begin to get the full vision he has for your life. I don't know where you are today on the spectrum of this, but we're all at least here because we're looking at this stage. We've invited God into the space of Sunday morning in church. But wherever you're at, I wanna encourage you this morning, here in 2022, take another step forward. Invite him into the next space. He has nothing but gifts in store for you. See, the only reason we wanna keep him blocked up here is we want control over here. The only reason we don't let him go any further than here is we want control. The problem is, is we keep having private messages because we won't give him the fullness of it. And so I wanna challenge you, let God carry you forward, take the next step forward. And I wanna create a quiet moment here and now that maybe, maybe here in this moment, you recognize that this is not about me trying harder or trying to be better or living under some sort of rules and regulations but it's about a God who loves me and has great things in store for my life, the fullness of my life. And I'm ready to trust God with that, that he sent Jesus not to make a bad person a good person, but to make a dead person a living person. And I'm ready to step over from death to life. I'm ready to give him the fullness of my life. And if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand this morning. We're going to pray with you. Just raise your hand. Awesome. Praise God. Yes, 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 yes. Believers, just lift your voice with these. We're going to pray together. I'm going to loan you some words. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus in his death. It covers my death and his life, it gives me life. I embrace that life. I say yes to that life. I believe in that life. And I give you permission to change me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. 
We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.